0: But half time in the Ireland versus England Champions Cup double header, double weekend, and Ireland lead 3 1 at half time. Not a bad start, not the perfect start, though, unfortunately. Hi, it's Mick McCarthy here with World in Union Balls of these weekly podcast. Joined as always by the star of the show, Mr. Morris Brosnan.
1: Mick what's the crack? how are you? There's been 32 games over the last three seasons between Ireland and England teams in the Champions Cup. Would okay, you like okay. to hazard a guess as to what the score is as of today?
0: So it's 3 1 last weekend. So let's take that out. And my maths will tell me to have a wild guess at 26
1: 6. Oh, wow. 25 7.
0: Oh, right. OK. To Ireland, obviously. To Ireland, yeah. yeah. To
1: Ireland, which is a pretty glaring stat for the Champions Cup over the last three years. But it's pretty encouraging from an Irish perspective.
0: Yeah, there's been some domination. I say it's just half time. We did talk last week about how, for a lot of those games, the first game was the key. You know, it's, you know, I think if you look at maybe Harlequins, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, not as motivated, I presume, next week as they will be, despite even getting to lose a point, and probably playing as well as they could have, except for something else we'll talk about again <laughs> later in the show. Um, but, you know, like really getting the win, especially for Ulster and like, I mean, Leinster will have put Northampton cast Northampton aside especially you know what I mean I think there there is almost an easier week awaiting for at least some of the some of the provinces this week
1: yeah nearly all of them bar Munster I would bar Munsters, say yeah. um Chris Boyd is pretty interesting after the game talking about what they need to do and uh he effectively talks about the he, It was interesting of course he talks about Leinster as well and the fact that they just can't compensate for him so if he's missing like it's Bizarre that you know you got us st- out after the standard of Johnny Sexton goes off injured, and uh, literally the first thing his replacement does is come on and score try. Whereas they're without Owen Franks and Courtney Laws, and they just don't have the, the well as he talked about to replace them. But because of that, then I think next week for them is basically a write off, and you kind of load towards the, the back two games. They're on what they're on nine points now, so 19 points will probably get you losing if they get a losing bonus point next week, maybe if not, I think target those final two games again, like straight away, you're talking about uh, Benetton. That's a game that you could do Leon would probably be out of contention or could be out of contention. Um, by that stage and suddenly that, that's maybe where, where Northampton goes so that looks like a much easier game for Leinster than it, it might have done had, uh, had Northampton been closer this weekend Yeah,
0: today we'll look back at the four games this weekend leading and, and kind of like bring them into a kind of a look ahead to what happens in the reverse fixtures this weekend and Morris is also going to say a very interesting interview here you're going to speak with JP Cooney people remember him as a former Connock uh, kind of prop I thought a current Connock kind of prop you know the way that this happens sometimes like you know he is only 29 years years of age but he had to actually retire last year because a but, injury yeah exactly yeah so he's got but he's got a still a pretty interesting job within the province
1: yeah he does so jp is an interesting guy the first time we would have come across his name came up on this podcast actually was when we played the interview with dylan tierney uh martin uh your favorite rugby player from the under 20s brett pope's favorite rugby player from the, from the same twenties <laughs> team and he I talked about the influences that he's had both with his school with Ireland and with his club and he referenced JP and the work that he's been doing with Corinthians there so after JP Cooney retired he went and got a job in the AAL with uh, Corinthians mm-hmm. which is interesting because a former team of his actually Andrew Brown is also over Galwegians who would be the two big club rivals in Connacht and because Andrew, Andy Friend has been really engaged with those clubs since he's come on board and has actually had them in for effectively coaching seminars Kind of regularly, so he's keeping a kind of an open link communication between DAL and with Connaught, which is of all the provinces, it's most important in Connaught because Connaught don't have the school infrastructure that other provinces have, they just can't rely on that production line. And because of that, they have to get creative with the way that they unearth players. You look at guys at the weekend. Uh, who are playing for Conant even, you know, I look at a guy like Owen and what what he's done. We've had play, people on the podcast before talking about the benefit of the AL. I think Conant are a testament to that. And the fact that you've got a head coach who actually recognises that is really, really encouraging. Yeah. And uh, I think it's kind of something that eventually, like you might see the fruit... Already you've seen the benefit of that, but now that it's actually been targeted, the fruits of that could be massive for Conant moving forward. So I think that's a really interesting development out there.
0: Yeah, and be interesting to talk to JP about that. Like for me, one of the things that actually is something that i can't get my head around that the ail doesn't get more towards is to be more of a feeder system and to be more of a useful place for people to develop their careers outside rather than the academy system Uh, which is i think we agree if not broken certainly in massive need of tweaking and whether that's uh, you know a different age structure on the ail i don't know more maybe more of a professional outlook maybe more of a you know a subsidiary to the provinces or whatever it is i don't know what the solution is but it has dawned on me i just spent a little bit of time talking to some people involved in club rugby last year and they're just on their knees and it feels like for a country that where the game is growing and player numbers are growing and you've got four top teams it feels like there's no need that there can't be a thriving underbelly in the level below that which should be the AL, but at the moment that isn't the level below the level below is the a sites yeah and the level below that is probably the academy sites and what we i think what we need to do is have senior rugby come up the queue a little bit there
1: yeah it's kind of, it's, it's sometimes it's nearly it's a frustration of mine is is the wrong word but i always you know when you hear these random proposals for a fifth province that because players need to be played for the benefit of Irish rugby you need players playing competitive rugby I sometimes do feel like why can't the AL be that do you remember when Shane O'Leary spoke to us uh, a couple of months ago and Connacht it's funny because the amount of Connacht players that have talked about this is kind of stark now we also had Paddy Butler talked about this um, after he left Munster as well um, Colin O'Donnell obviously talks about it as well but the difference in standards that they found amongst if you're playing academy or a rugby versus playing club rugby or essentially competitive rugby like yeah. that, that, I think that, that's you can't it's you know this is the same debate that is currently unfolding in, in football in England about uh, the Premier League's use of under 23 size that actually maybe the value of them isn't as good because the level of exposure they're getting in terms of competitive just isn't there that they, you need to be kept playing men's rugby and that's where you're going to develop and I think that the A L can really offer that and it has offered that by the way like you i we talked about this with monster recently and the kind of developments you've seen there, where players have come into the senior sets. But I just think that if there was... If it was a bit more of an established pathway, that could be a really kind of fruitful... Like, obviously, it's going to be fruitful because it's these guys are playing competitive rugby week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And the fact that not recognise that, I think, is really encouraging. Yeah.
0: Like, take Harry Byrne, for example. He played about, I think, six or seven games for Lansdowne in the in, in the AAL last year under Mike Ruddock. And, like, had to go out because he was in Ireland under-20s or Leinster needed him for some, certain things. And that's all fine. But the fact is, he was trying... Are you telling me that he doesn't get men? Is the word that you use there, and that was actually the word that was on tip of my tongue. It's almost a dirty word these days uh, <laughs> when you're describing, you know, what it means, sport. But it is, it, it is, there's no doubt about it that Harry Byrne is going to get more out of coming up against a really experienced grizzled second row going to try and charge him down who's been playing senior rugby for 15 years than he is going up against uh, other kids his own age who he's better than at the moment
1: absolutely you know yeah, like yeah. so I
0: just I just I would love to see some sort of plan in place to sort of just raise it raise the profile raise it a little bit and just get it to that next level it doesn't have to go back to the old day where it was the be all and end all but I do think that like living by just four teams is not where we need to be and it goes to all the discussions we've been having in the last few weeks about you know uh the the club system in France and England and how they need to look after their own back whereas the Irish teams don't because they've just got this one kind of outlook you know anyway we could talk about it all day and we'll hear a certain perspective of it from 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 J.P. Cooney a little bit later on let's go back though to last week let's start with Connacht actually considering we're talking about J.P that was the only loss of the weekend and it wasn't like it was also just a very very disappointing performance and loss to lose on the sunday you know going in 10-7 at time, like i don't think they'd played magnificently but they were obviously well within the game you know like and it just sort of fell away gradually over the course of the second half and you know, not to even get the bonus point in the end in a match that we talked about on on, on um, last week's show as being a kind of, a you know, a real opportunity to get that away with and to put themselves into the conversation for qualification.
1: Yeah, it like, if it, I, it's funny, right? If you'd asked me, if we uh, talked about this after the game or even yesterday, um, I would have been really critical of Connor's performance. I think on, on a first watch particularly. Now, putting, I watched it back last night and kind of... Different thoughts. Like they were developing opportunities, and I think that some of what they did was really encouraging. But they still, there's still massive clearances. One is their reliance on Bondiaki. Like the the work that he does, the commentary were comparing him to Driscoll And at the time, I was thinking, what do you thought? But then you look at the steals he was getting, and it's not only you know a jack. A centre in a jackal is great, but it's when they do it. Like they're effectively they become try saving jackals because of the situations that is coming up to get them. But I think Connor's real downfall is the amount of time that they managed to. Like outdo really good work so you have a scenario like Jack Carty kicking the ball out in full it's just not clicking for him right now kicks the ball out in the full a couple of seconds later misses a tackle which is you know it's it's a straight up three versus three you just have to come up and hit, make that tackle and he's, he's taken off Um, I thought it was really interesting that Andy Friend took him off like 51 minutes uh, straight away after he, he he had the quick succession kick in the full missed that and he was taken off straight away the first thing that happens is that they throw forward pass was it forward or not I'm not really sure but that is literally off a launch of the scrum, the resulting scrum, the first thing that Fitzgerald does when he comes on. And, you've, you, you know, if that ball is free, Goodwin's free and he's turned down the wing. On the other hand, then, you know, same thing again. They get a, a, a line out. And Buckley, it's a straight up tackle. Like, it's a one-on-one straight up tackle. Misses the tackle, falls off it. And again, second time, Andy Friend, the very first thing he does is take him off. Peter McCabe comes on after, miss, after the conversion is kicked. And that all came about because Danny Cipriani's is just such a fun player to watch so, mm. th- so that lineup came because of his crossfield uh, I don't want to call a crossfield kick because it's it's a, it's a w- like a volley along the ground or I guess it is a kick but it, it's, it's... it was
0: it, a it was a crossfield Twenty-two dropout grubber kick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Like that's that's the best way you can describe it. He, all, he kicked it basically from halfway between, say, the half the, the half point of the pitch and the left hand touchline, from about ha- the halfway point of that, to the far touch line across the twenty-two. One of the most dangerous things I've ever seen, but inch perfect. And, said, oh, and like absolutely bamboozled the Connacht uh, defence.
1: There's absolutely no way he didn't mean it. He, the, 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 Why would he not mean it? The suggestions that he did it by mistake, that he was trying to kick a ball, he 100% meant it. He got a good no. one was in the bin at the time. Like the, there, was an, they had a, there was a Connacht or a winger down. You could see from his body shape that he was going to chip a ball. You can also see
0: by the way his players went for the ball that they knew. Absolutely, They would yeah. have been caught in the hop. They would have been caught flat-footed if they weren't...
1: Yeah, I yeah, just the, the idea that he didn't mean it, he's such a like he's such a fun player to watch in a positive and a negative sense. Like some of what he does is absolutely brilliant. You can see the variation in his kicks, kind of the chip kicks, that kind of stuff. But then he does something like um just before half time for anyone who didn't see this, they did a uh, kick a drop 22 did, uh, Half time is up, and the referee says three times to Danny Sperani, You can't kick it out in the full. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> have, you have to play. You can't kick it out in the full. And he nods at the referee, turns his back, runs towards the sideline. So he's running side. And so you kind of get this moment when you're watching it. He's not going to, is he, uh, did he is he going to ignore him? And boots it straight out of play. Yeah. The only funnier thing is that... Um, Hasn't
0: always been known as the brightest bulb in the... In the, the, only,
1: the only funnier thing than that was, speaking of not mean it, Austin Healy and commentary, pretending that he actually didn't mean it and was trying to scuff a kick along the ground and accidentally skied it 20 The opposite up, of what up, they up, say happened earlier. Up into yeah. the air and uh, uh, and out. There is a place
0: for people like Cipriani, you know, that you want them to be able to play at a decent level, that we can watch them on television. Him and, you know, I, I like... Kai Cooper's probably a bad example Of another player I think he's close Like a a Freddie Mitchell Back in the day Like somebody that's just That little bit mercurial And mercurial Is one of those words That is supposed to mean Something good But always means Jesus he could He could do anything But it's normally The bad part like, You know like, And it's like, like Fair enough It is normally bad But it's still It can be great You know
1: And sometimes he's Like the intercepts For again I, I, He actually Carty's very first pass He had to go with that if, 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 if The very first thing Carty's like I'm talking about The couple, first couple of seconds like, And then caught him Then for the, the try um, That was just You know You're trying to go Out the back twice You're trying to like Build that corner And he just makes a read A really good read And gets the ball He I mean this word Literally He is the funniest Rugby player that I currently watch. Like I laugh out loud when I watch Sipirani and I mean that positively. Like I love watching him play rugby, but he is definitely the funniest rugby player that I, I just, I really really enjoy what he does. And I think it kind of, you know, Gloucester have a lot of frustrations. You could see Humphreys was really frustrated with the refereeing in the, in the first half. And then because of that, he totally overcorrects in the second half, which often happens when you've got a shed that's really loud like yeah. that. And like something that is, it's, some interpretation of the referee, this is a peppy of mine at the breakdown. Like, if you've got a breakdown and a player is on the. Like, so what happened was they're on the ball, Grobler is lying offside. So he's lying offside, but be, the justification he gives for giving the penalty against Connaught is that Glosser are on the ball first. But the. That's from a referee's perspective. Like you don't understand the game if that's your interpretation of a breakdown because they're actually interlinked. Because he's lying offside, Connor can't get the footwork in to clear off the player who's on the ball. Like he's in the way. They're not. they too isolated incidents. They're actually related. And the mm. fact that referees don't seem to understand that sometimes, particularly in a breakdown, that the, you know this is one thing actually affects the other, and they don't they don't police that is kind of frustrating. You have another situation then with just really clever play where. Uh, for, you know, J- Jared Butler makes a tackle and his, his jersey I've never seen it done as well where his jersey is just pinned to the ground and he can't roll away because he kind of has him grabbed by the, like the inside of his collar so he just can't get away and you know, he can protest all he wants but as far as the referee's concerned he's not rolling away pings for that that's again you know, build up to, they're starting to build a scoreboard pressure at this stage then you get a yellow card mm. and suddenly you're in a world of trouble
0: Do you know who's was very good at that? In the munster Racing game a couple of weeks ago I can't remember who the referee was it was an English ref and he kept calling, and the uh, Munster got done for it a couple of times, but it was very, like, as in, you know, you're, you've you put him into that position. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, I'm not pinging him for that. Like, that's your fault. You've put him into that position. I wish Stop more Stop shouting that, at him yeah. to get away. But he kept explaining it and explaining it, and by the end of the game, it's like I have a new understanding of that particular aspect of a rook lot because he's told Munster the same thing, I think, and both teams, the same thing about four times. But uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting refereeing. So, am I taking it that you kind of have a little bit more sympathy for Connects their performance and the result after watching the game a second time after analysing
1: yeah definitely like the, a lot of what they do is really good I think uh, John Porsche that, that, the fullback who started the game could be, he could be a fantastic prospect for them I think that could be a really encouraging signing like the way he steps into a line he, I know certain stuff like I think he's trying to develop to become in sync at times so sometimes it doesn't look like it was necessarily planned like he'll take a run off a, a 12 shoulder um, so and then you've got like uh, Bundyaki kind of putting in that presence I just think defensively particularly they there's some things that really need to be ironed out like missed tackles sometimes are just misnomer but other times they're totally glaring and when you've got a big pack running down the 10 12 channel that's a lot of pressure on bondiaki and jack Harty steps over four missed tackles on top of that it just it's really like yeah. that you've got these trying to jagger heads all over the place in defence. fence anytime they get to the fringe they're getting to the edge way too easy like they're getting four or five passes off rooks way too easy so defensively i'd be you'd, be you'd be you have to like the one thing i don't want to do ever for Collins, again is this patronising kind of bullshit where it's like, oh, at least, you know, they put in a showing. Or, like, you have to judge them To my mind, Connacht should be we should be having a conversation about Connacht the same way we're having conversations about Ulster. The two of them played each other in a quarter final last year in the Pro 12. They were both in dire straits the season before that. The similarities are there and the idea that they shouldn't have been at least competitive in these kind of games is really glaring. Their scoreboard management, by the way, was awful. Like, why are you... You're 10 minutes, there's 10 minutes left in the game. You get penalty after penalty after penalty. Now, the scrum thing, which will return to this, like, the not stopping the clock for scrum resets is is really irritating and it's eaten away at that time. But nevertheless, if you've got this amount of penalties and you are you know the score is, you know, 26-10, take the penalty because regardless of getting this, the, if you even score a try, you're still going to need to score again to get a losing bonus point. So why, like... The, the, that kind of game management is is really frustrating, and I do think it should be like you should call it out for what it is. But at the same time, there was a huge amount of like they know what they're doing, they, they certainly know what they're doing. A couple of individual errors uh, let them down with that. The injuries are killing them this season, and that's you know it's just a typical issue when you don't have the depth of we mentioned Northampton, it's, it's the exact same case here for Connaught. But like overall, I think they are moving in the right direction. This was a frustrating performance. I the and they've got the best thing about this the way you and you mentioned at the very start is that they have a really good opportunity to avenge for that this weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I like I don't disagree with you. I think that like calling out like clock management being terrible, calling out needless missed tackles, like calling out a performance and analyzing for what it is and not putting them on a separate thing is very very important. I think that's in all aspects of sport, but. I think there's also, a like, there is an experience factor there that does need to be taken into account. Maybe when we're looking at the entire season rather than in one match. And we say, like, if Connacht go and win their home games this year and lose their last away game to Montpellier and don't qualify ultimately, I think that that's progress and that they'll have shown a good year. And ultimately what they need to do is qualify again through the Pro 14. And then you judge them almost on a different level again next year. But I agree with you in terms of individual games. Let's talk about the scrums now because we want to get on to the Leinster Munster Ulster. But, like, we can put these into all games, like, across Europe that we've seen this weekend, but the Connacht one especially, like, the time-wasting at scrums, like, there's nothing that frustrates me more in general than, uh, like, end-of-game closing out right it's professional sport it's like in in football it drives me mad because i feel like there's lots of easy fixes that the authorities don't seem to bother with and it ruins the spectacle of a game where a team is holding out you know um but rugby is very very similar there's a lot of time wasted you know you can easily if you get a scrum with six minutes to go if you're in any way smart you can say we can knock four minutes off this clock now without a penalty without anything just resets reset four minutes to go suddenly the team who are probably in their own 22 have one chance to score against us to get the ball up the field and can't knock the ball out of play can't knock on can't give away a penalty can't do anything you know can't kick the ball yeah you know and that's the end of the game really you know what i mean you've you've closed it out and it's not true rugby and that sort of just frustrates me and I feel like there is easy fixes we've seen I said to you that like you know Three Red Kings was talking about it I think possibly after the Munster game maybe the of game uh, you know talking about how you know like maybe we have a stop clock on scrums and it makes the games longer but ultimately isn't that better and yeah. maybe it doesn't make the games longer because maybe we have less of that nonsense if you're not getting anything out of it is there any call for a 70 minute clock and a far more stringent stopwatch
1: yeah like I don't think there would be less ball in play I agree. The, the reason that it was so obvious after the Connick game for anybody who watched it was because Austin Healy actually pointed to the clock and said, the clock. The first time he did it was after 20 minutes. Look at the clock and look at the amount of time that we wasted before the scrum is completed and, and he a ball back and play. And it was nearly two minutes before the ball was back to play. And he said, that's one scrum. Think of it as 10 scrums in a game. Like the, the amount of time that was wasted while he resets. This was because conditions were bad and stuff like that. But I absolutely... like. I don't think you... You can't compromise safety and... Speed up the scrum. That's an, an obvious thing. So I absolutely I, I agree with you. I either stop the clock, or I you know if you're going to go with something like a seventy minute clock, I think you could introduce more stoppages for when balls out of play, for mm. scrums, for things like that, and then just refine it that way. But I the, the particularly in, term, in terms of scrum resets, like some of it is really kind of basic. Like it, it and so they got to a sense where it's it's effective like a pre engage, but you can't call it for pre and pre engage because both teams are kind of unste- unsteady. So he stops the. Reset again Another 30 seconds That was wasted again And like it, it is I hate to call this stuff clever Because it's also really cynical And kind of <laughs> No <laughs> but it is annoying. It's
0: professional In the worst sense of the word I guess yeah You know I just think There's a very easy fix And like It's a, it's an easy fix And it's also one that I think If there's enough clamour for Rugby will fix Because they've been decent Yeah tra- in terms a, a of a change, yeah. stand, The clock is See, the clock isn't sacrosanct the way it is in certain other sports. It's not something that you can't ever stop. It's stopped regularly. You know, and maybe here's something as simple. If rugby is, if scrums are part of the game, so the clock is meant to move during them, that's all fine. Maybe it's there's one attempt at the scrum. As soon as that does, it's it stopped. And the ball, it doesn't start again until the ball but is live in, in, in the play, scrum. Yeah. Yeah. So the ball is like, you know, maybe it's in the scrum, maybe it's taken out the scrum, I don't know. But like, there's an easy enough thing there where there's a TMO or whoever is in control of the clock. I'm not sure. The referee says time on, time off, and he's mic'd up. That's easy enough to do, you know? And it just... It eliminates all of this. And I think, I think it would be for the betterment of the game because it, it can be just so frustrating as a viewer. And I can only imagine how frustrating that is as a player when you've got six minutes to go and win a game and suddenly it's two minutes and for no reason. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to say on that match, right, on a slightly different note and a more positive note than I normally would be about the subject of rugby jerseys was I loved Gloucester's kit. I'm I'm mad about it, like so. I just like that uh, they've gone to kind of a more distinctive red and white hoop. That's the way I don't know. I feel like all these jerseys, all these traditional jerseys over the years, have all just got a little bit more blended yeah if you know what i mean over the course of time and i just liked that it. it was kind of traditional looking and stand outing and it meanwhile connacht are wearing like navy with like weird A strips blue. of yeah. green and blue kind yeah. of going through it you know
1: yeah the that are really similar awake like the, the gang and dressing um people might have seen that as well i loved it uh, oh, sorry
0: that i mean sorry i mean i don't know why obviously not what gloster were wearing or what connacht are wearing but they're what they have this year yeah, in
1: general y- yeah yeah i i love the i love that classic kit yeah. I, th- I think it's it's, it's class i like the, the i there's a real basic principle with those kits as well which is kind of like the simpler the better like the i don't know if you've seen the new Kerry ga kit but they decided to move the change the color of the sleeves kind of unnecessarily like i do think you can just simplify this kind of stuff down and that glossary kit is a testament to it so was the the original Saracens kit, before the one now. I don't like the new sponsor on it, but the original Saracens. when Saracens first were good, their, their their kit at the time was class as well. Um, monster, I think it will complicated their kit as well. Oh my and god! Isn't monster, monsters isn't even necessary blue.
0: Monsters, monsters, jersey looks like a Dublin bus. <laughs> it's. The, seat, the, dots, the, the yeah. seat, it's absolutely <laughs> awful. I thought of it about ten times during the match. During like a, like it was a bad game of rugby. In fairness, let's actually skip to that game. We'll talk about Leinster in a second. You can give out about the blue under <laughs> jerseys. Not be let Leinster change their blue all the time. They don't. They don't have traditional colors. Uh, joking, of course. So I told you before. I was at um, the Connacht Leinster game in the sports ground the year that Connacht won the the pro 14 and they are the pro 12 or whatever it was Um, they beat leinster 7-6 kieran marmion got a try and ian madigan was playing out half for leinster that day and to say he didn't adapt to the conditions in galway is an understatement there was balls kicked up (laughs) in the air that literally came back over his head and he had to turn around and run backwards (laughs) to go and try it was insane it was a really really like the conditions were unbelievable like as bad as anything we've seen on saturday night but the game rugby, despite being 7-6, was far superior because Munster and Saracens, especially in the second half,
1: but I would say
0: nearly overall, was an awful game,
1: like wasn't it? Yeah, it was terrible, yeah. like What it generally happens when conditions get to that is that it it becomes like a neutraliser, so it thumbs it down. Both teams have to play like one-out rugby because you've got no more options, so then it becomes who's, like it's, it's a weird... You can do it smarter though. Oh, you definitely can, yeah. yeah. Like my biggest issue, like so that like you come, it dumbs down and becomes one at rugby. It in a lot of ways it becomes who's bigger, like who can carry better. But then at the same time, like I think you can, you've still got execution within that. Like say for example, if you've got you know you've got you've narrowed your gap and you've got Andrew Conway running a line with. I actually think that that knock on that Conway had in the second half, he was thinking that ball was to be kicked ahead, and so he was running and turns it to be flat to chase a kick. Yeah, that obviously wasn't communicated at Murray, so the ball is fired off him and it gets knocked on um that like that's just out of sync thinking and i do think that, that a lot of that is down to this evolution in their they're trying to evolution in their attacking game like you heard p- during the game Larkin was interviewed and talked about the work they've done to try and implement this new uh, structure and i think sometimes you know that stuff should kind of go out the window when conditions are as bad mm-hmm. as they are and it's funny like my my youngest brother is obsessed with this thing the small blacks i don't know if you've seen this small blacks on instagram so small blacks is a Basically, it's an all-blacks-driven media platform which is about coaching skills for kids, really young kids. It's um, kind of with true fun games like offloading rubber chickens or frying pans or stuff like this. Um, Tony Bell-Williams does a lot of the videos. But he's shown me a video where Sonny Bell-Williams was doing this kind of novelty stuff while also talking through the different technical stuff about how he would catch a ball and give off a pass. And he was boiling it down. This is for five-year-olds. He was boiling it down to... Your hands positioning, are your fingers straight out? Are your fingers up? Is your weight on your right foot? Is your weight on your left foot? Why do you want your weight on your right foot if you're passing off your inside foot? Which way do you go? To fight. He routes. was he was boiling it down technique. And I like I remember watching it, and I was thinking that all that technique has been drilled into professional rugby players in Ireland right now and New Zealanders have that from the age of five. Like yeah. that and there's a really small, small technical stuff that has been drilled into them. Did you get so, that
0: at th- would you have had that level of information at Adult level I, under, I, under twenty level.
1: I still don't have it, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But
0: that's like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you played in a in an academy system in Connacht, you know, and like, yeah. and weren't ever taught that. But five year olds in New Zealand are being taught it,
1: and down to like, I mean, if people actually, we might share this because this yeah, is really interesting. This this is a thing for kids where he's talking about like, how do you position your hands? How do you position your fingers? How do you position your feet? What way are you, sh- are you shifting your hips? What way are you moving your chest? Like, boiling down to all the technical aspects of, of purely that until it's totally ingrained. So to come up to the speed with that, I think, is a really huge gap for... Especially if you're going to try to overhaul... Uh, and that's effectively what Munster are doing. Like, they're overhauling their attacking structure in a relatively short sp- period of time. Without the World Cup players still coming back in, you're trying to integrate them into it as well. And it all just becomes lax. And then, I know we, we actually talked about this offer as well. I, I do think that uh, M- Murray has a role to play in that as well. Like, I do think you need to... like. I used to think Murray had a, a timing issue. I, I thought that maybe this speed of delivery ball was the reason that his form slightly dipped. And I actually kind of diverted from that. I wonder is it actually a decision making issue? Like I, I I do feel like sometimes his decisions on when to box tick on when to break, on, he's not sniping enough, I don't think, to keep Pillars honest. You saw the way Gloucester did that to Connaught. like twice off a of mall. They don't have the mall defence on the inside and they snipe on that side. Like I I I I do feel like that kind of stuff is the most glaring example for me was and they actually got a scrum penalty out of it but, but it was the scrum penalty where JJ Hanrahan knocked on running a flat line and like a he he kind of had three options pick and go himself Murray this is Earls ran a line back down the blind side he was hidden in behind the scrum because Saracens for some reason didn't defend the blind side of that scrum and Earl scream was screaming running back down the blind side and didn't get the ball so that was I think that was a bad choice not to give him the ball the second choice is to carry and then he carries for too long for just a split second too long so by the time the players coming onto the ball he's running flat and the ball is knocked on or it becomes forward and that happened a lot as the game went on I know conditions play a part and he's dealing with really bad ball as well but I do think those kind of decisions need to be better if they want to play this a brace of quick ball game. Like, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's a degree of hesitancy that I'm not sure what it's down to. Like, at the time, if you'd asked me to say a year ago, I would have said he's minding himself because he's coming back from injury and he doesn't want to, you know, yeah. carry to the line and get slammed or whatever. But I, I do think it might be slightly worse than that. I think it's becoming a bit more problematic for, for Munster as they. I just His form is starting to become a concern to me.
0: I'd have, a, I'd have a little bit of sympathy for him, though, as in I thought he actually. Did that well in the first half where conditions weren't as insane, yeah. And I thought that he was getting and 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 specifically in terms of getting the ball from the bottom of the ruck quickly, which meant that Munster were actually going through a lot of phases, but weren't playing like it was kind of like the way Ireland might do, which is first man up. They were getting it in out in Moving out, quick, in, out. Yeah, yeah. and Murray was there 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 there, and it actually did lead to the only try. Uh, or to the... O'Mahony's to the well, right, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and, and I thought that he was doing that and I, I, and I probably agree with you there was a lot of choices and then the second half kind of went back into the way he's been playing and I wonder was that just, that might have been Conor Murray recognising we can't play this way today and maybe the other players around him not. Like, I, I, I just, I do question as well, I, I have a, like, without being in any way critical of JJ Hanrahan, I do feel that there might be an element of not having fully... Not being fully trusting of what's outside either. You know, like if that's Joey Carberry, maybe you kind of let him run the game. Whereas I think there's probably an element of Murray trying to do a little bit too much at the moment. And to your point, almost doing nothing then in the end, being indecisive. You know what I mean? And I, like he absolutely would agree that he had a poor second half and made some bad decisions. I just. It's an ongoing trend, but I thought I saw something in the first half that just looked like it was it wasn't just any scrum half that can go and do kind of what he was doing you yeah. know what i mean and, and look hopefully hopefully i think there is a bit of hope there when it comes to murray like we're going to talk about john cooney in a few minutes and again you yeah. have to you do genuinely have to question that when the scotland team is named in you know we're not talking too long now like you know a month and a half you know what, what, what is it? less than two months anyway yeah. away um you know there's a huge chance we don't see Conor Murray picked at number nine because you have to on you have to think that Farrell is not going to just say he's going to have to pick a fresh. You have to pick from scratch almost on that team now, and it therefore it has to be almost the most informed team that's ever been picked for Ireland. You know, and at that, at this stage Murray. Is is looking to not even get on the bench like you yeah know like
1: I mean? if if he i if he's perfect, if you're him right now you just have to be honest picking on form you have to go with Cooney right yeah. now now maybe that changes over an, next yeah, month or two a few, but there's
0: a, there's another three rounds of the Heineken Cup to go before we get there
1: yeah you know the manner that he won the game was great and that like will rightly get the uh, kind of the plot but the way he actually won that penalty like the I think he kind of ha- recognised. So, so Quinns are up, it's 25 22, also going through the phases. I think at that stage, Cooney recognises we're probably not going to score a try here, but we can force a penalty. So, first time, kind of does the typical, it's a kind of yeah. as well, stumbles over the player at the back, trying to make it look like he was interfered, going to the ball. The referee doesn't bite, and then goes the shift left and sees the defence line coming up and says, I'll just, I think, risk it, throw a dummy and go. And sure enough, they're like, It was like shooting fish in a bar. Like, it was just so... From a Harlequin's perspective, it's such a ridiculous penalty Mm. to get away Yeah, it was 24-22, so
0: it was the winning penalty. Yeah, yeah, the winning penalty. So
1: so he, not only did he kick it, he, I think, in a a sense, was probably intelligent enough to actually win it. Like, he had the rugby IQ to recognise that. At the same time, like, it's just... It's a really...
0: (laughs) I think of this though, like it's like, you come over, you know, to Ireland, you go to Belfast, it's a really tough place to go, you're away from home in the Champions Cup, you've done everything right, you know, you've put in this real dogged performance, you're on the verge of winning, you just have to hold out for two minutes, and then you break the line and tackle the ball without a man, tackle the man without a ball, and you're just like, how it's such a dumb penalty to be given was, away for a yeah. kick at the end of a game like you know and it was
1: Calavalli and he was playing so well at that stage but the most I think the it was uh, everything about it like it was so obvious it was, it, that because it, it he made the tackle and before the player tackled, went to ground he actually threw his hand, both hands up yeah. in the air kind of in a, like a in a Y formation you should play
0: like, the audio clip actually because the commentator is just very very funny the way he just kind of like signals what's about to happen <laughs> yeah. and then it happens Action. On the ten-meter line, Quinn's having to be squeaky clean. I'm not sure how clean
2: party was. He's flown out of the line, and he's been. Pit-
1: <laughs> and then. Brilliant. Next, on top of that, uh, for those who haven't seen this, he kind of it's like it's a straight face pan where he just, like, both is... He kind of recognized today. He's like, oh, what have I done? It's like the Homer <laughs> Simpsons. It, the, the, what I what that reminded me of there, the way he kind of slapped his own head was kind of Homer Simpsons kind of dough. Like, it was just yeah. instant recognition that uh, he basically cost them the game. Um, and that puts us in a really promising position kind of moving forward. And this goes back to our conversation, by the way. Final thing i say about this game, what we had last week. Ulster of two years ago I don't think win that game like there was mm. something about them mentally that kind of the edge they had the, the need that, the, to fight back the way they did that I think that there's a real like there's a streak in this team kind of a a hard edge that wasn't there before and I think it's really encouraging uh, kind of looking forward
0: It's funny you say that because I think if you look at their three games so far Bath like you know a comeback like you know a, a desperation last stitch tackle from Stockdale that saves the game but was you know not the greatest performance against you know, a, a bad team that weren't great on the day, but eked out a win against Claremont. Claremont don't turn up in Belfast. We're all disgusted by them. Ulster just like really only do enough in the end don't even get like you know claremont get a losing bonus point they've kind of let them into it you know like that wasn't a vintage performance either and then again at home against harlequins you know they're lucky to win it but i think the really key point and the only thing that they'll care about and that McFarland will care about is you've just won all three of those exactly, games yeah. that wasn't happening before you know it's like okay we haven't played well we've been in three games but they won all of them. You yeah. know what I mean? And now they're, like, they're not assured of qualification, but they've got a huge, huge chance.
1: Yeah, that's a nice pool because I think it's the only pool where the third place side is actually only on five points, not on six. So you've, you've got a situation where if they're on 12, Claremont are on 11, and then you've got a good gap like, what you're hoping, I think, at this stage, midway at form is that Harrickman's give up now and mm. that that would make things a lot easier, kind of, looking ahead. And the prospects that happen are quite likely when you look at the, the way the pool is shaping up.
0: Yeah, I wish we weren't always talking about this in terms of all that giving up, but it is the way it is. You're right to bring it up. Uh, just got, We didn't actually finish on the Munster match. Like, uh, just last point on it, right, is you see the team it was exactly what we talked about last week and you know they play a toji and re- like brad barrett and kind of nobody else you know and you're like
1: the third vinipola which is yeah which, the, the <laughs> other vinipola who kind
0: of has the same name as the prop <laughs> yeah, manu, manu yeah. and macu yeah, yeah. Yeah. um but anyway like you're thinking right okay you know this is a very good monster team this is the the third fourth or fifth best team in europe You know, the real Saracens and Leinster being 1 and 1B, you know, at least on the last three years' uh, evidence. But then, even without the, like, again, the conditions weren't great in the first half, but they were playable, right? Even without that, it's like, they were very, very poor, really sloppy. Went in 10-3 at halftime, but, like, I actually think I tweeted at halftime. It was like, that was just, it was a very casual, um, very casual and sloppy display. And I just, I was very, very worried, you know, I kind of called the racing performance a, a huge missed opportunity, despite the fact that they were kind of played off the park in lots of ways, but you can't be drawing your home games or not winning your home games. And then I don't think if you get the chance to play a Saracen second team, you can't come away. Maybe you don't get the bonus point because it's piss and rain, but at least you're there fighting for it. You're not holding on for the win and getting very lucky to win the game in the end, you know? And I'd be very, very worried from Munster's point of view as to where they're going this year. And and look, maybe maybe it doesn't matter about this year. Maybe they've got a, like, you know, you've got, it's not a new coach, but it's a new coaching team if you put in Roundtree and Larkham and everything in there, and that needs a lot to bet in. And maybe if they don't get out of the pool this year, it's not the end of the world. They can still build on it. But I, can, I don't think they're getting out of the pool. Yeah, like... Well, let's see what Saracen's do next week. But that, that Saracen team could go and beat Munster next week. They, they absolutely could the yeah. second team
1: yeah I, I do think there's enough like you know you talk about this idea of kind of structure right like what are they what, uh, when I watch Munster I do get the sense I know what they're trying to do which I think well, is, have we not
0: been saying this for 15 years for Munster like, th- you know ever I since the great you know since 2008 and all like the, the, the two great teams that merged once the second one started to yeah. fall away we've been kind of saying oh they're trying to get to this they're trying to do this and they're you know they're, they have to tweak things slightly and they just they're kind of
1: stuck in limbo Absolutely, and I th- I think that like I think that was a really kind of tal- like that was a really obvious frustration when I was over in um in Saracens last, last week. Year, but yeah. that, that it was really obvious that the, the players had kind of and you I mean you saw the kind of the change that came after that as well. But I still do think like say you know you moment moments like the. Forward pass that Larkham was convinced wasn't a forward pass for the Scannell linking up with Hayley. Like, I, I've watched Scannell for the last three years and I, I know he has that passing ability in his locker, but the thing is, he's never been used as a pivot, he's been used as a crash ball carrier, which he isn't. Like, mm. they, so the fact that he's now been used more correctly, see pairs like JJ Henry and carry to the line at the same time, I do fully like, I think. Th- Munster fans particularly will be very frustrated by the manner of that performance and the way that it's just like i think you're, you're constantly waiting for this team to click yeah. and i also but at the same time like i'm doing a separate project by the way at the minute right i'm writing a i'm doing a piece about kind of the different things about teams who perform really well and then dip off so say if you look at the Irish group team now why did it go so horribly wrong so quickly and the one thing that i'm kind of becoming more and more clear of as i talk to different people is that there actually isn't no any like silver bullet when you're successful in high-level sport, it's because there's so many different levels finally come together. Like there's these, it's because of the sphere these people are operating on, it's kind of hundreds of different things intertwining, clicking at once. And if one or two of them are off, even by a percent, the whole thing drips massively. The difference is so so fine. Like that, it's a cliche, but the margins are so so fine. And I do think that once they're coming closer, and it's it's a, been a very very slow process, okay. they are becoming closer to bridging that. Yeah. At the same time, I also don't think they're going this pool.
0: Yeah. But I look, I, I just to go back to that. Like I agree with you, right? I and I they are going somewhere, and I didn't mean to be kind of flippant about them being sure, almost there or seeing what they do. I just feel that. Uh, We've been given, we've almost been given them that leeway for a long time, and they deserve it again this year because of the changes, right? That's fine. So that that's just a frustration. That's not a problem. I agree with you that that is the case. the The thing though is, right? If those things are almost coming off, or you know, Scandal's pass might have been forward, might have been not, whatever. Like that's all one part of the game. The other thing though that you would take for granted in a match in Thoman Park at half five and a shitty evening in 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 December is something that you'd nearly, like, people nearly laugh at Munster fans and Munster when they talk about this, but, like, intensity. And just a real, uh, you win, you've already got a certain amount of points on the scoreboard because you've got more desire, more passion, more intensity than the than the yeah. opposition, right? And that there's nothing they can do to match it. There's nothing they can bring. There's nothing they can, like, the way Racing turned up or whatever. It doesn't even matter. Munster is still going to beat you there because they're in Thoman and all. And it's a, it, it is... It sounds like bollocks, but it isn't. And it hasn't been for, you know, twenty years, twenty-five years in 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 this competition. You know what I mean? They've only ever lost four times at home. There's a reason for that. And I don't think they showed that. And I think one I think that like they, they get the team in on Friday and they say this is gonna be we have to make sure we win, but you know, there's nobody outwardly saying this is gonna be a Doddle but I think they're thinking this is going to be a doddle and they couldn't turn it on and that's a massive disappointment I think for Munster fans that go to that game on, on Saturday night you know and I don't think they look they won the game they did everything they can they'll listen to this and think who's this Aegis? you know like as in the, the, do they not understand the rugby the conditions everything like that you know and like the, the quality of player they were still playing against absolutely like right? there's no there's no doubt about it, the conditions were like borderline unplayable but I just thought Munster were lacking something massive
1: yeah, I think ultimately it's like, you know, the final, is like what I do, I think, must have another level, absolutely. And even in really basic stuff, like there, I think the lineup was actually regressed weirdly uh this season like the quality of ball again that like you're going back to if ball is off the top and ball is going to murray and he's getting pinned by a something's not right there like either somebody who's lifting isn't blocking properly or he's taking too long which i think he did to get the or pass Atoge's off offside or then yeah that's <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> twice <laughs> twice <laughs> um, which wouldn't be uh wouldn't be unlike him um, but uh, yeah the
0: do yeah. most another level yeah absolutely yeah roman pot was wearing a lot of layers did you notice that
1: yeah i would blame him yeah no.
0: <laughs> it was just very funny i thought it was just looked like there was like things sticking out of his jersey all he looked like, like, like
1: uh, he was wearing you know the baby sumo suits that you <laughs> yeah. used to get to confirmation parties that yeah <laughs>
0: Leinster, right? Finally, it's it's so funny. We're almost putting Leinster like like it's just a, this assumption that we're going to be talking about Leinster in May, yeah, because yeah, we're know, kind of Jason putting them Brandish. to the end now, nearly every week. It's like we said last week that you know they're kind of like going and doing the job like they did against uh, against Treviso and against Leon it wasn't going to be enough at Franklin's Gardens, and they'd have to show a little bit of something that they haven't shown so far this season. And Jesus, that's just exactly what they did. And when they did, we saw. Just that they're in a different league than almost everybody else in this competition. Like,
1: yeah, like um, when it clicks, they are absolutely sensational. Like you saw the way even their back three attacked when Laimer just puts on the gas, takes that break, and has James Lowe running (laughs) a line beside him. Thinking, how do you like? How do you stop that? Yeah. And then you know, in the second half, they reverse to the other side, and you're fight. You're basically fighting to keep a team scoreless, and the come through that patch and end up closing it out in convincing fashion and players like Ed Byrne come on and get their tries and yeah. like the i the whole manner of that performance was outrageous like absolutely outrageous Um, this is a team we're top of the premiership the, like, yeah and the previous
0: week it was team we're top of the top 14
1: Um, yeah exactly yeah. and like Northampton are a really good team I watched some of those stuff in the first half they're definitely moving in the right direction I can understand why Ali Stokes when he spoke to us recently was so uh, praiseworthy of the work Chris Boyd is doing but it's just lancer's pure like their manner of working their way through games they're kind of like a, they remind me of a, like a boxer we talked I talked about this in a separate podcast about somebody like Cade Hayler they're like a boxer who can fight basically any way you want to engage him like if you want to play one out rugby Lance will go and do that with you and they'll totally obliterate you if you want to try and take them like, the, and that's the thing I, I, the first thing I said to talk to you there I started talking about Jordan Larimer who was sensational or James Lowe it was actually up front the yeah. performance of players like Keen Healy and Andrew Porter and the work they put in like re- beating a team up up front like, you see the carry for the Porches try diving and then like, can you imagine being a Northampton Saint been put through that for 50 minutes and looking up and watching Ty Furlong mm. trundle on to take you on for another half an hour like that yeah. must be so dispiriting there's a great clip Charlie Morgan friends of the podcast Charlie Morgan tweeted out a clip of um, uh, Porter and Healy tracking back to stop what is a, a certain try tr- tr- basically from the halfway back the work they put in to get back get into the line and make a tackle and uh, the The clip itself is great, but Mike Ross actually tweeted it out today and his only one caption was Tuesdays, which I thought was interesting that it's obviously, that's Stuart Lancaster's famously has this training session uh, on Tuesdays, which really high intensity trying to get players up to that level. And that is obviously the effect of it when you see stuff like two props, Tracking like wingers to get back, get into a line, get up into the defense line, and make a try and uh, intervention. Like, that's the level that Leinster are at right now. I to me that was a statement. Like that's the standard that other teams are going to have to meet if they want to mm. have any say in the tournament this year. Yeah,
0: and for the first half an hour it was a close game, and like uh, there was a moment at fourteen thirteen I think where Devin Toner jumped up and stole a lineout. And I remembered A lot of conversations We had about Devin Toner Not that long ago That I would completely Forgotten Jeez, about it like, feels amazing. part of A different world But it, that's what my point Like you know just This is a guy Who's still Almost forgotten That you know this guy should have been at the World Cup probably and even so, what a player he still is for lancer you know.
1: Yeah, like Moon and uh Ratawiyawa are that's a test level second row and they were made to look amateurish by James Ryan and Devon Toner. In a notch I like the the line one is, is I to my I had that actually in a different category because I, I don't understand why are teams thrown to the tail against Devon Toner in a lineup anymore. Like <laughs> yeah. have we have you not watched enough yeah. Games. To he's know like a, he's
0: like a cornerback in American football. Yeah. Some <laughs> like Revis Island. Like just don't go near him. Yeah, he just, just that's not part of the the field you play the game in yeah,
1: you know? like, I, I, I don't, yeah. don't understand because no matter what it's just f- like physics you, the ball has to get to a certain height and he's going to get there like, <laughs> it's, like, it's not going to work so why are you throwing to the tail but his work away from that he was incredible his defensive effort was huge I thought it was really interesting as well Leo Cullen was caught after the game talking about uh, a man playing to get himself back in the national frame so he clearly hasn't given up hopes of oh, no. having a say with Ireland and when you look at problems like that I think he, uh, he looks good to, to back that up
0: yeah, I think we'll talk about the uh, the New Zealand, the next New Zealand coach, briefly in a couple of minutes. But you were speaking to former Connor Proc- Pop, excuse me, JP Cooney earlier on.
1: All right, I'm delighted to say now we're joined by JP Cooney. JP, how's the form?
2: I'm great, Morris, and
1: yourself. Good, thanks. Yeah, all good. Um, injuries have obviously played their part, but we might start talking to you about Connaught and their season so far. It was obviously a disappointing result at the weekend. What have you made of of their form so far this year?
2: Um, well, look, I think they're in a great place as a squad. Um, I suppose Andy Friend has come in there, um, and from what I ch- from what I can gather, like obviously he's he's a great coach, and in fairness to him, very closely as well with the clubs in Galway, um, Corinthians included. So. It, it, it's, very, it's very easy to gain insight into what he's trying to do. And I think a big thing for him this year is kind of player empowerment um, and encouraging the lads, you know, obviously to take it upon themselves. You know, and, and like, it, it's playing the see. You can see the lads playing with a bit of confidence. You can see the lads, um, they're making these the tough decisions. I mean, like I remember sitting down watching them play the cheaters there not so long ago, um, where they had a penalty opportunity right in front of the post to draw the game. And I think it was maybe five minutes over the 80 where they decided to take the scrum and go for the try rather than um, taking the draw, which I suppose gives you a fair indication as to where they are as a squad and I suppose where they are as players on the pitch, you know, being able to make those decisions for themselves.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that uh, Andy works closely with the, with the clubs. Like for those who don't know, you're obviously yeah. involved with the Corinthians now. Uh, Andrew Brown is over with Scalwegians, which I'd say makes for some, uh, some interesting reunions. But then when you look at Connacht yeah, as a whole, yeah, as, as, a, as a province, right, you've got like Connacht's reliance can't rely on the school system the way maybe, that maybe Leinster or even Munster to a certain extent can. I know you yourself probably know this better than most given your, your AIL background. Like it's probably fundamental for, for Connacht's success and for the club success that there's kind of a strong link there.
2: Oh, I would think so, um, and like, it, it, like particularly as well, um, Andy Friend would be would be a coach that would say, tr- like, like, I said already, align closely with what we're trying to do. Um, like he gets us in, say shows us drills that we could be doing with with the club. Like has had various presentations over say the preseason for us this year, and you know last year on say what they do on defence, how they approach the breakdown. Um, and so on and so forth so it, it, it's real good obviously to get that say, higher level of professionalism and try to transfer that down into the club game Like obviously there's a big discrepancy there between the two levels that we're playing at but um, especially for me anyway any kind of input I can get from that say, higher, higher level of coaching and, and try and transfer that down to the lads out, out with us it's great. Um, as well on top of that it makes it easy say for academy players or, you know, people on the periphery that when they come back to the club to play with us, that it's not something that, you know, it's a hundred miles away from what they're trying to do anyway. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Corinthians play rugby the same way Connacht do like that. Um, but it is, it is good that, like, we're aligned and we're moving in the same direction. Uh, so to try and accommodate when lads do come back, that there is not a huge... I suppose, difference in the way that we would play rugby than Connacht do.
1: How much of an input would coaches you've worked with in the past or even now have uh, into your kind of rugby philosophy, JP?
2: Uh, huge. Huge, Morris, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I suppose that I'm in a... Lux- I have had the luxury of being coached by any fantastic coaches. Um, and that's not just saying say, inside at Connacht either, which obviously I've had great coaching but like even say my AIL days, same with Gary Owen, and even say when I was young and was playing with turtles back home, um, it, it, it kind of puts me in a position that I can take all the kind of the, the aspects that I like the most and kind of put it together with my own, obviously little touch and idea on things as well, to try and you know come up with a game plan that I think you know can can accommodate the talents that we have out in Corinthians and allow it to shine through.
1: Yeah, and I guess kind of moving forward, I suppose that you once you kind of have that bedrock from from coaches you have, you can learn yourself on the job and kind of develop that rugby philosophy nearly as you go.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, look, the day that you stop learning um, is the day that you're you're dead in the water. Um, I by no means, I by no means know that say my game or whatever is the full finished article. Um, and on that as well, like I do, I do draw on the experience of the lads I have around us. Um, because, like, obviously there's lads there that have been playing rugby for the last 10 years that would have seen things that work, seen things that don't work, um, and allowing them as well, to, I suppose, to try and go back to what Andy Friend is doing. we kind of trying to empower them to maybe dictate as well. Like, at the end of the day, when it comes to coaching, um, obviously I set aside, like, what I think we should be doing and why we should be doing it and all that. And I think that's very important is the why of, the are we use certain players or the why of we're doing this. Like, once you can get the buy-in from the players on the why like we're executing the game plan, um, and showing them, say, the benefits of it, like, it, it's really up to them then off the back of it just to go out and execute, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Did the idea of coaching always appeal yeah.
2: to you? It did. It did. Um, I'll be pretty honest. I didn't think I'd get a senior gig as quickly as I did, coming off say, of my professional career, like, my my professional career ended a bit prematurely. Um, I severed my hamstring tendon off the bone, which left me, I suppose, in a way that I wouldn't be able to play professional rugby. Um, so that was quite disheartening, I suppose, at the time. And you know, when you kind of realise then that you, maybe the body isn't going to isn't going to accommodate your you know your will. Um, I, I obviously wanted to get like I'm actually I'm, I'm actually a qualified school teacher. I'm not teaching at the minute, but the the idea was maybe that. You know, I'd pick up a, a teaching job in a school and be able to contribute there and coach as well, but um, obviously the, the lads in Corinthians, and I know you mentioned Johnny O'Connor and maybe a few other lads, uh, Johnny O'Connor is a Corinthian as well, and it was actually him that kind of suggested me for that senior job. Um, so, like, obviously the Corinthians, they were they, they were good enough to give me that chance, um, and I try my best not to let him down. Um, I try to try and be the best coach I
1: can be you know yeah it's interesting we had um we would Brett Wilkinson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago as well and yeah. he actually in a similar vein as yourself his career was ended prematurely due to injury and his first coaching gig was also with Corinthians and that's kind of where he developed and I, and I guess that's where the strength of that link with AL works like not only can you have a, a player pathway but you could actually kind of develop a, a coach's pathway as well
2: almost definitely yeah well look I, I suppose the, the thing is you come out as a professional game and you see so many things, like in terms of skill, like, you know, work on little things that you think can, they may be only small little factors, um, but contribute massively, say, towards, uh, uh, say, how the, rugby, the game of rugby is played, um, in terms of maybe producing a, a ruck ball that might be 0.5 of a second or one second quicker. Um, and all you want to do is, like, well, for me anyway, was to be able to transfer that knowledge somewhere else. Um, you know, I suppose to encourage the growth of the game. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, Look, I, I would have loved to have known some of these things uh, when I was playing myself. Um, so practically all it is is just a, a transfer of knowledge of what you've learned and what you think is good and uh, basically just empowering the rest of the lads, I suppose, with them and letting them to succeed and reap the rewards of it afterwards.
1: How high have standards increased in? You obviously understand the game of rugby, particularly in Connacht, very well, given your your current role and as a player. And you would have experienced it even more so beforehand and as a player with Connacht too. How high have standards rose in the province?
2: Um, in terms of club rugby, I think they have uh, come on leaps and bounds. Um, I know, like obviously, there may the Connacht clubs may not necessarily be too far up in the divisions. Yeah, um, when it comes to like 1A or 1B or whatever um, but as far as I'm concerned like the, especially the division we're playing in and it's like all you have to do is take a look at the league table at the minute how tight the spread is um, and even the two teams that were promoted out of 2B last year are now 1 and 2 in 2A so you have Barnhall Hall and you have Rainey Oldboy um, that are going on and succeeding and essentially like blitzing blitzing the division ahead of them um, I think you can see from Barron Hall's results they haven't been beaten in, in, in i don't know how long um but that'll show you the quality of team that is that, that it takes to come out of two b um like we've played some fantastic sides already um and obviously you know two b whatever it, it, it's not the top top tier of club rugby, but the standard i think anyway from looking at it, is um is is a lot more than what the title of two b would say suggest. If that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely and that's probably the betterment of players who get the, the chance to expose themselves to that as well
2: yeah well look I just try and I just try and drive, um, drive a high level of performance you know from my end um, try and get the lads, you know make sure their heads are right and that when we do have a game plan that we go out and execute it as a fifteen. and um, like obviously obviously you know you have your stars on your team um but well, the thing about it is, it's like rugby isn't a, a one-man game or a two-man game. Like you'll have individuals within a system, and the only way that they can shine is if everybody else is pulling their weight and everybody else is executing their role. Um, like obviously you have lads that run in tries and look good, but the only way that that can be facilitated is if everybody else is doing their job on the team. So within that, everybody needs to. Execute a certain level of performance, and either in in order for a team to succeed, um, and like that's I suppose I suppose that's the crux of it more than anything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before you go, JP, yeah. we might ask you about the Connors' chances for the rest of the season, kind of looking ahead. It's interesting, you look at this season for them now and their position in Europe, and it kind of has reminders of me of the 2012 and the year you were in the Heineken Cup and when you bet Brits that year, which obviously yeah. must have given you a, a pretty huge lift. T- to your mind, what is success for Connors for the season ahead?
2: I don't want to give a cliche here, Morris, but I think skies are the limit um, with, with, with a squad like this. I mean, like, we've seen it in the past um, where the odds have been stacked heavily against Connacht and they still have been able to come out and pull out the trump card. Um, I think it's just a question of nailing down that performance, Um, you know, getting everybody everybody in line and getting their mentality right for it. Um, Like, realistically, not many people would give them a chance to succeed in Europe um, outside of the group like that. That that's in their training in the sports ground, but I think that that group in there, um, they don't listen too hard to you know what people would say about them, uh, which has always been a strength. Which has always been a strength in Connacht. Um, so I don't know. They could easily get into a quarter final, and once you get into a quarter final, you know you see what happens from there. You know.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. JP, thanks a million for taking the call today.
2: Uh, no problem, Morris. Appreciate it.
0: Corinthians coach, former Connacht prop J.P. Cooney there speaking to Morris.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that he's so optimistic about Connacht's chances for the Champions Cup now. Well, not optimistic, but that he predicts that they might have a big say. Like, you look at the pool right now, right? Connacht are bottom of the pool, but they're on four points, which is interesting. So if you look at last year, 19 points was enough to get Glasgow a place in a quarterfinal. So Connacht are looking at trying to get home results against Gl- Gloucester this weekend. That has to be a bonus point win. Um, if the not a bonus I win, this is this dream is all over. A huge shock result against Toulouse, but that's Toulouse at home, and this is the kind of team who, as JP mentioned, Baritz when he was there, have beaten Toulouse before. And then suddenly you're all it's all coming down to a game against Montpellier, who might be out at that stage. So like, yeah. I, it's still it's like that Jim Carrey meme, like do you, there's still a chance but yeah. it, it is a long shot now and no, no. we were
0: saying all along win your two home games so if you do that you give yourself that chance get the bonus point this weekend yeah absolutely um before we go Ian Foster Scott Robertson it's more or less coming down to the two of them now for the next New Zealand coach I'm seeing a lot of kind of you you look up either their names or you look up New Zealand coach and it's like so and so comes out for Scott Robertson so it's like a political campaign yeah, they're yeah. getting they're getting endorsements, endorsements yeah. from all over the place like you know so it, it it is actually coming down it's like we've got an election this week but we've got probably a more important to the world election in New Zealand.
1: But it's just funny right. Steve Hansen has given his, has talked about this this week and uh it's interesting this is from the New Zealand Herald by the way. Um it's interesting that he said uh, this is his quote, it's not about how much IQ you've got, it's about how much emotional intelligence you've got. So he doesn't think it's about your rugby IQ. He thinks. But the reason he, that I found that interesting is because this is why he said that. Um, and I'm sorry to say we're going to talk about Ireland here. <laughs> um, so Again. he said... Uh, what we were trying to do we've never done before and with success comes a little bit of desperation. It was a perfect storm in the World Cup really. We played South Africa first off, got the job done and then uh, had lesser opponents after that so the men's side of the game didn't come into it. We'd have a massive week into the quarterfinal with Ireland and that was a game that everyone had a, 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 and the end of their seat. When we won that, and we won it so comfortably, subconsciously, I think all of us may have relaxed a little bit. Let go of the 2%, that desperation we had. It's not that something you do deliberately. It just happens. So it's basically Ireland's fault. Um, but at the same time, it also is kind of interesting about the difference in percent. Like he thinks that... Uh, what that, to me, kind of hints at a slightly is a small bit of complacency about managing that from emotional tennis levels. Obviously, the qualifying wasn't the test that they hoped it would be. And then maybe you're kind of cruising slightly more into it. You're not playing as much on edge going into a semifinal. The reason that's interesting is because if they go for somebody like Robertson next, he has no experience of that setup, of kind of managed that. And that's a huge transition. And we know one even have this thing about the production line and getting coaches in under him and I think mm. initially um, Hansen had stated outright that he wanted Foster to, to take yeah. over and you now obviously he can't have a say when he's, he's gone but I do think it's interesting that if they decide to like it's a big transition for New Zealand to move towards something that it, they haven't kind of seen before now Chris experience will account for a lot in that situation but yeah, still it's not, not the same it's not nothing either like yeah. he's
0: played in like super rugby finals and everything else you know what I mean and playoffs and all through that maybe it's not tournament rugby but at the same time he's not exactly inexperienced and he is very successful yeah exactly
1: and would know a lot of these players already as well right so
0: we'll see what happens there anyway um, we'll be back with you next week uh, when we'll definitely know a lot more about kind of like the 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 paths that the irish teams will have to take to get to the quarterfinals um and we'll talk about the kind of christmas period as well um, when we talk to you then um, but enjoy the rugby this weekend It actually does promise to be another brilliant weekend hopefully the weather is slightly better than it was last week